guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Bagger Podcast. I'm Evan. I'm here with my co-host, Nick. It's been a while since we made an episode, but Nick, how are you doing today? Welcome back. Doing well, Evan. I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for us. I know we were in uh, Florida a couple of weeks ago, catching a few Astros Rays games. I know me personally just started my back up again uh, with my sixth season for the San Jose Giants. It's pretty cool. We'll be able to work in minor league baseball, even though we're wearing masks and everything. Pretty small crowd. Just, it's still been good. So really excited to see how Mike in baseball and uh, good look forward to talking with you, Evan. Yeah. How is that uh, minor league baseball with like COVID restrictions and everything? Because there's already a reduced crowd for minor league baseball but like how many are the san jose giants letting in i believe right now we are at i believe it's 25 percent. so basically we have a four thousand seat stadium so it's just right around the thousands for us uh we do for us we do two to four seat pods i know when we're at the rays they're actually pretty flexible their pod for us it's pretty two to four it makes everything a little easier it's actually my job has become a lot easier, not going to lie, especially for now, like before we had a general admission section. So now everyone has assigned seats. Everyone kind of knows where they're going and everyone kind of keeps about their business now, especially with COVID going around. But no, it's been good. I'm really excited that we're able to actually have baseball because last year was we didn't have minor baseball. So it's pretty cool. There's some really exciting prospects, especially for the Giants. I know MLB.com did a list and like the Kansas Giants were actually a top 10 on our list. So it's pretty cool being able to watch them. It was a little weird watching them with the Fresno Grizzlies because the Grizzlies were a triple A team and now they're at the same level and they were former Giants affiliate too. But that was a little weird. But now um, the season just started. I'll definitely keep you guys updated what's going on over there, especially with some of the new Miley rule changes we'll see. Oh, yeah. I forgot all those rule changes are taking effect too. Yeah. It's been nice seeing all the prospects back and just, you know, even on like fantasy apps, like, last year on yeah. I, I look forward to lead, reading like how the prospects are doing in their minors games and you know there's just none of that last year it's nice to have it back all right so let's get into some mlb stuff here. we're just going to kind of do a one-fourth of the way update on the mlb and just talk about some things that we've seen at the beginning of the season leaders anything that stands out nick do you want to start us off with uh, just something cool that you know neat that you have seen I mean, the biggest thing so far has definitely been the no-hitters and kind of batting kind of just a little bit. We've already seen four no-hitters, plus Bumgarner, whether you want to consider that a no-hitter or not a no-hitter, it's that that's that for the individual to decide. But as leading up, I was reading ESPN article, hits are down to an average of 7.63 hits per game, and usually you'll see hits anywhere range from about 8 to 10 hits, so that's the lowest it's been, I think, since, like, the early part of the session. It's, like, 1937, so that's a little concerning that hits are down a little bit. I know we've kind of joked about the trend of every kind of hits home runs now it's always home runs or nothing but there's actually some statistical evidence that yeah things are actually going down here pitchers have been very dominant so far so home runs have also decreased decreased too but it's been very like fractional like home runs drop from like 1.39 to i think now we're down to like one point like two eight so it's it, it's it's somewhat lower but not significantly lower but still these are some interesting trends i they could continue off the season to be received and will be able to try to do anything to kind of combat this so we get more hits in the game. Yeah, going back to the no-hitters, I remember when Baumgartner yeah. threw quote-unquote no-hitter, I texted you immediately. It was like, is this a no-hitter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I agree. I mean, it is no-hitter. He did not give up any hits. Like, that's the definition yeah. of no-hitter, right? 
Yeah, definitely agree with that. The biggest, the biggest argument for me there, Evan, I love using this argument because as someone who does not like the Dodgers, if the Dodgers can win a World Series in 60 games, then Bumbarner can throw a no-hitter in seven games because those are the rules of the stake. That's that's the way I see it. I know some people are like not innings, not innings, but definitely I, I I would be I would be open if in the rule book you could you have a section that says no hitters under allotted nine innings rather than just calling what they call it now just a special moment. I think that's kind of like cheats him from what he did. But I, I, I'd be open to seeing some part of the rule book to say no hitters under seven in games. Because, you know, he signed up for a seven in game and he completed the seven things without throwing, without getting allowing a hit. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, there definitely should be like a separate, like it shouldn't be considered like a traditional no hitter, but there definitely should be, you know, another section per se that says, you know, it was a no hitter, but you know, seven innings. It's, it's definitely still an accomplishment, but a lot of the times in the, tra- in the traditional no hitters, those last six outs are the toughest ones to get. But yeah, I mean, Bumgarner, he's been struggling since he signed with Arizona. So yep. good to see him do that and, you know, restore himself maybe a little bit back to who he was with the Giants. Okay. Yeah. And the hitting down to that's, I mean, they changed the baseballs, they said and everything. So I actually was just listening to another podcast that I listened to for the uh, Yankees and they were doing an interview with Mike King, Yankee reliever. And he was saying that they were using last year's balls. They had like a bag of last year's balls during BP. And he said that the balls were like harder and the se- there were like less seams on them. And the newer balls are a little bit like softer with like the seams kind of rising out of the ball a little bit more and popping out. So I just thought that was interesting in general, just and like, I'm really wondering how much, you know, that is really affecting the drop in hits and home run a little bit in home runs. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to be cool to see if they go back to the old balls next year. And that way you'll have a direct, direct comparison. I, I just want to know who in the MLB office says, you know what? I don't like home runs. They're terrible. I just want to know who that person is. Cause if you don't like home runs, there is something wrong with you. That's just my opinion. Home runs are great. I don't, know, I don't know why you're trying to get rid of home runs, but hey, there's even a home run derby. There's literally a contest for it. Let's keep home runs in the game. I mean, I can tell you who it is. It's pitchers. <laughs> pitchers don't like the home exactly. runs. Exactly. Yeah, that, that is true. That, that That is true. Hey, but some pitchers can't hit home runs, you know? Bumgarner, that is an example of a pitcher oh. can hit home runs, but else, I see you there. Oscar Yanoa guy from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Oscar. Yeah. His grand slam, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, he hit the grand slam. I think it was like, I don't think he did it, but if he homered again in the game after, he would have been like the first pitcher ever to homer in like four straight yeah. games, two straight games or something. That's crazy. <laughs> what a guy. That's, that, that, that's fantastic. All right, so we got a yeah. list here of just kind of like, uh, we brainstormed this before we recorded, of just kind of players we've thought stood out in our minds just in general or situations that have stood out. So we'll go down the list and kind of talk about them a little bit too. DeGrom and Cole. I mean, these guys, Kings in New York, honestly, they've both been phenomenal. DeGrom has obviously been a lot better than Cole, which is ridiculous to say because Cole has like a 137 ERA or something and has been absolutely dominant in every single start. He hasn't given up more than two runs in any start. But I mean, DeGrom has just been better because he's DeGrom and the guy is just unhuman. Yeah, I've been just looking up some stats right here. We're kind of reading it. As, as of recording today, uh, the 13th stats for these players are you have DeGrom with a .68. That's 
pretty crazy for any pitcher to have like a sub two, but even a sub one, that's insane. But that's interesting. You mentioned kind of your main two guys, DeGrom and Cole. There's actually a pitcher in e- who has a lower ERA in between those guys. So you have DeGrom number one, but number two is John Means. That I would not expect John Means to be number two right now. I mean, he's doing no hitter. He's four and oh for a Baltimore team that's probably not going anywhere, but hey, good for him. Maybe he can get himself traded, but that's crazy that he's number two. They got Cole. Woodruff and Connor Rogers to round out your your top five uh, ERA, but yeah, you could definitely see these are kind of probably your t- probably two leading candidates for both the AL and Al Cy Young right now, both out of New York. Especially Cole right now, five and one with the one three seven. So he's really helped the Yankees kind of get back to where they were. I know they struggled early on, especially kind of in that weird division where you have the Red Sox leading, but now they're only a couple games behind the Red Sox and look like they could get past them coming up here in June. I mean, means I don't know what's going on there. The, his no hit third strike is the only thing that made it. Yeah. Game. That's like heartbreaking, man. That's terrible. Absolutely. Yeah, awful. man. And then, yeah, I mean, as a Yankee fan, I've obviously been following them very closely. Like it was miserable to be in the season. They were doing awful, but I mean, you knew it was the first, you know, 15 games and that they were going to kind of break out of it and just go and play better. And yeah, Cole has been a big culprit in helping them do that. So we'll move on to the uh, next thing that I've noticed. So Adolis Garcia for Texas. He came from the Cardinals. I feel like the Cardinals have a, there's a trend of Cardinals outfielders leaving the Cardinals <laughs> and becoming very good. I mean, in the last doing year, real well. We're in here. Good. Right? Yeah. I mean, this guy, Adolis Garcia, I had a, yeah. he's hitting, yeah, he's hitting 291 with nine homers. Yeah. He's like near the league leading homers, but that's that's wild. Broken out. Gotcha. Yeah, just an interesting fact about uh, Garcia. I know he's got his brother out there, uh, also in the league. I know it's pretty cool. He used to play in the uh, Japanese league for the uh, Umiori Giants. So it's pretty cool that a guy who actually is able to go to one of the international leagues for a year, come back to the states, and I know that's a couple years removed, but we found some success. So hopefully, it's a other story for other players playing internationally and come back to the states and find some success too. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I did not know Adoles Garcia was overseas. That's he must have found something, uh, some sort of coach yeah. over there. Never know. Yeah, uh, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, big blows to the, to the Chicago White Sox. They're still in first place and they're still thriving, but I mean, those are two young, really good guys that you're losing um, for probably the year. Robert, they're saying most likely the year he maybe could come back in the last couple of weeks, but it might be back for the playoffs, but at least for the regular season, he looks to be done. And that's just a tough loss for them in general. And Jimenez, I mean, I know he's been out since spring training, but they're both just big bats in that lineup. And I mean, they're going to lose that like MLB experience too, obviously. And they're, they're still both really young. So, I mean, the biggest thing for young guys is getting in there and getting reps, right? Exactly there. It's kind of big, especially with this White Sox team. There is a lot of promise. They're kind of like a sleeper, kind of World Series pick even for a lot of people. I know they really struggled outside the gate, uh, especially in April. Now they're back in first place. They have a couple of their guys coming through. You got like, you got Vaughn and a couple of others. Uh, Abreu is still pretty well. Like, Yermer Mercedes, like, he still hasn't fallen off. Dude's still hitting like 382. So he's he's been great for the team. No one really expected anything from him. But hey, you know, despite, uh, Despite La Russa, that this team's still doing pretty well and could win, could win the Central. Especially if you look at the Royals, everybody's like, "Oh, look at the Royals, good start." And then I've lost eleven straight and fallen off. Twins are awful. So, and I really don't see the Tigers doing anything. And 
Cleveland could challenge for a wild card spot, but I'm expecting to. So this, this, especially the continue, this could be Chicago really could have this wrapped up by midsummer. Yeah, definitely. I'm very surprised about the Twins. I mean, even if they haven't been a good playoff team, they're still a good regular season team. And you know, with, with the Bomba squad, the last couple of years, yeah. <laughs> know how they're doing so bad they're like atrociously bad and byron buxton for them has been like phenomenal too so like yeah. i saw all the stuff about byron yeah. buxton. i know he got hurt recently but like i saw all that stuff and was like wow they must be you know doing decent because buxton usually wasn't a contributor in the past but like he's been phenomenal i remember all the hype around him because i was uh i obviously lived in rochester and the red wings you know had buxton come yeah. in he didn't play for them but he was supposed to be like one of the top prospects in the league and just did not live up to it. But he's starting to live up to it this year. So uh, awesome for him. But obviously the Twins, not good. Uh, the rest of the division, yeah, the Royals, we kind of knew they were going to – I mean, they were going to fall off a little bit. And Cleveland, I thought Cleveland was going to be worse than Minnesota. Their offense is not good. Uh, the Yankees played them first. Yep. Offense. They have Fran Mel Reyes and Jose Ramirez. I mean, Jordan Luplo has actually been a decent surprise for them as well, but nothing too big yeah. with them. The big story for them is, you know, my or their starting pitching. Beaver is obviously still doing really well, um, along with their bullpen. The two guys in the back, James Karinchek and Emmanuel Classe, those guys are lights out. I don't want to face the back of the Cleveland bullpen in any sort of playoff series. Yeah, man. I know, I know Klaus is kind of a guy you've been following along for fantasy. I know he got suspended last year, and you're really excited to see what's going on. So, yeah, if, if, if they're pitching and keeping them on games, especially now that batting's down, this team, like I said, this team could challenge for a wildcard spot in a very kind of – that's going to be a very tight race with all those other teams kind of challenging for the spot two in the AL. Definitely. And you, like I said, you don't want to see that Cleveland bullpen, it looks like. Yep. At least the back end of it. I know yep. you have another guy that's like six seven or something, Cody. <laughs> he's actually been pitching really well too. So like, I don't want to see that guy. I don't want to see Corinne check in any playoffs. I don't want to see any playoffs. Yeah. 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 Absolutely not. So Fernando Tatis jr. Has notably been having a tough year after that extension. Now he's on the COVID IL with a positive COVID case. That's not good for San Diego. Not at all. He's been really struggling. Uh, Just looking at what he's batting here. It, it it's not been good. I think he's batting he's batting two forty right now. Uh, fourteen RBIs. He's kind of been down. His o his OPS isn't bad. It, it's a eight sixty seven, but still kind of a guy. When you sign that massive deal, you expect him to be over three hundred and and have an OPS close to a thousand. And obviously, whether it's COVID, I know he's been hurt. I know he got hit early on pretty in the season. Uh. So that could affect him too, but it's it's really not looking good for him. Hockey, they that team is so talented that other players haven't been able to step up around him. I know you Darvis has had a great season so far coming from the Cubs pitching there, but he's kind of like really what's going to get him to the next level. Like if he, if Tatis can't get that level, they won't be able to beat teams like the Dodgers in the playoffs. They'll just kind of be kind of a team that gets to the playoffs but won't do anything. They're really going to need him to be able to realize that potential. If not, this could be a huge disaster and you're one of the massive contracts he signed and and he's been struggling. So hopefully, hopefully for the sake of the league, he can start to like get better. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a disaster if they don't win this year. He's still so young. And like, we, we forget he's been so yep. good that we forget he's like 22 and has so much more room to grow. And like, yeah, he's yeah. well right now, but like 
the guy had clearly has talent. He showed it before. There's no way he's going to flop just and randomly not be good. So like, it's, it's really a matter of when he gets back on track. And I know he, he has COVID right now. So like that cannot be good and will probably not be great for him in general, just because I've heard from a lot of people that it's just like, it makes you sluggish. You know, sometimes you just feel off and can't get back into that routine. So, and like you said, they have so many more talented guys in that team where they'll be fine in the regular season and they'll stay afloat and there won't be any problems, but you're right. Come playoff time, he's got to be firing on all cylinders because he's the one that's going to make the difference between, you know, beating or losing to the Dodgers. So we're going to move on here to Corbin Burns. I mean, I've heard of this guy and he was always like, Oh, this guy could be really good. This year he's got gotten to another level. I mean, I think he today he ended his streak today of 58 strikeouts before walking a hitter. That's a record for most strikeouts before a walk in a season. That's just nuts. That's insane. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I kind of thought like Woodruff would kind of be their main ace guy, but he's kind of showed up as like maybe not as good as He's right there, man. Like 58 strikeouts in one walk. That that's absolutely insane. Like especially in today's game where hitters are usually pretty patient. They want to wait for their pitch or they'll. But like I just kind of like I know I know we mentioned before like everyone kind of swings for the fences or strikeouts. This kind of kills you that he's striking out everybody in a. So it'll be interesting to see if you can keep it going forward. Can he get like a hundred strikeouts and only four walks or five walks? That'd, that'd be pretty cool. But he's got the one, so it'll be interesting to see if will he start walking a lot of people now. But I, I think he can keep it going, especially in that division. I don't think there's some really teams that I don't think are competitive, especially when you're playing the Pirates. You know, fifteen times a year you're gonna get some strikeouts. The Cubs are a very good team. You're gonna get some strikeouts there. So. I, I, I can see him continue it. Yeah, definitely. I, I just like the guys come out of nowhere to be a really, really good pitcher. Indeed. Maybe not out of nowhere, but like the last couple of, when he came into the league, they're like, oh, Corbin Burns is so good. And then he was like very mediocre to bad for like a year or two. And then this year he's just yeah. showing up as like the ace of the Brewers over Woodruff. Not that Woodruff's been bad either, though. But yeah. he's showing up to be the ace. It's crazy. We're going to move on to. Uh, Alex Reyes next. So this guy was a big time prospect for St. Louis, like big time starting pitching prospect. Did he have Tommy John twice? I believe so. I know I, I remember him getting hurt a couple times. He broke into the league and got hurt shortly after, but he was supposed to be like a, an ace, like real good. And then got a major injury, came back and then got hurt again shortly after. And I guess now that he's come back, they decided to make him their closer. And up and Jordan Hicks from that role. And I mean, we all know Jordan Hicks is, you know, the electric young reliever that throws 105, like, you know, full Chapman pretty much. And the guy has come in and just been phenomenal. You said earlier, he was, he's like two and oh, he has got 11 saves. and like a run or two. Like that's, I mean, if that's how they're going to use him, that's awesome. I mean, not going to go seven or eight innings, but if you can lock down the end of games for you, that's perfect. Exactly right now. They're they're leading up division. They're pretty top-heavy right now. You have them and the Brewers, but they're sensational pitching. Everyone else on the division is kind of taking a step back and lower, so it kind of becomes a two-team race for this division. You look at right now, he has a .45 year, right? Only one run given up in 20 innings. That's The only person he's behind right now is 
instead of just Mark Belanson, who I don't like. I, somehow he figured out in San Diego, but whatever. Jake McGee's been pretty good for the Giants anyways. But So if you look at it here, he's someone who's been able to reinvent himself. We've seen this a couple of times with really good pitchers who can reinvent themselves. Well, I can't really go the distance of, you know, pitch – Pitch hundred plus innings, pitch hundred plus innings a year. Kind of find their way in their back end. If he can get this, this St. Louis team, I this is gonna be really challenging, especially with the teams of the NLS. But they could also win the division and see if they get a good matchup in the first round and see what they can do. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, another honorable mention is Jack Flaherty. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. Not giving up many runs. So yeah, they're definitely, especially with Arenado out there too, and Goldschmidt and Molina. They got a lot of good young or a lot of good solid veterans and then you mix in like dylan carlson who's got some speed and just they're, yeah they're they're a good team an honorable mention with reyes too is araldus chapman the guy's been phenomenal he's struck out a ton of batters thrown 14 innings no runs given up that splitter's nasty man the splitter he has added has made the difference and he's back up to being i have confidence in him now as a yankee fan i really lost confidence in him after the last two years in the playoffs. But I mean, he's looked hard this year. So I'm excited for that. Um, we'll move on to our last kind of yeah. performance that we've uh, got for you. And that's uh showtime on the angels. I mean, the guy's been electric. Let's, let's be real. I really didn't like yeah. him. just when he broke into the league. I remember the Yankees wanted him and he told them no, because they were a big market team. He wanted to be in a small market, but then he went and signed in LA. So I was like, "Why? What are you doing, dude?" But yeah, and then you know, having him be injured and everything has really capped his value. But he's been healthy this year, and boy, has he been electric! Yeah, it's it's honestly crazy what he's done so far. Ten home runs, like he's second home runs only to Acuna right now. So that's just what he's doing on both sides. Think about it. There was a game this year where he started started as a starting pitcher. And since they're playing nationally, he moved to right field at the end of the game so he can bat. It's just crazy. Like you have, there's he's the only one Lee can do this. You can do basically play both positions, pitcher and hitter. We haven't seen this in the MLB and basically, you know, since like the 1930s. So it's kind of been, it's been really cool to see someone who can go kind of both ways and kind of bring the international flair. It just sucks for him that this Angels team has been cursed. I don't know who cursed them. I don't know what they did. I don't know. What, what deal they signed with the devil after winning their World Series in, uh, in uh, 2002, but they somehow the most talented team are going to somehow finish not very good in the AL. You, you got Trout, you got Rendon, but yet this team is still not going to go anywhere. They recently, also originally released uh, Ever Pools, who's been obviously he's been pretty bad, but it's also interesting like he's had a couple more months. I guess he was such a cancer in the, in the locker room, they had to get rid of him, but. It just kind of shows you that this team is cursed, and no matter no matter what talent they had, they're still not going to be very good. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy to me that they're that bad. And like you said, I completely forgot about the pool holes thing until you said that. That's they handled yeah. very poorly, and the guy deserves, you know, the guy deserves a farewell tour like Peter and Ortiz got. Honestly, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. Especially like, yeah, I know he's banging under two hundred, but like at least give him, at least give him a couple more months. At least. Well, it's back to the can't find a trade partner either, or at least you know, at least keep me till July, trade him to contender and see if they can split salary or something. So back to no, we're done here. We we like what we got. We got a, we got a good first base. We want to call up and see what he can do. But as kind of shows you, it's kind of this mismanagement organization where you have probably the most probably one of the best baseball players in the past fifty years, but nothing's going on there. Yeah, I mean Jared Walsh. They moved to first base. The guy's been awesome. Yeah, he's been one of their best players, which is crazy. Um, back to Otani real quick too. 
I feel like it's watching him play sometimes. I'm like, he just, the other night, he struck out 10 batters through seven shutout innings and then went and played right field. Like, it's literally Little League. The best player in your Little League team shuts the other team down and then goes and, you know, plays shortstop or something. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's crazy. It's awesome. It's it's entertaining. It's, we need more guys like that. Imagine how entertaining it would be if, like, each team had one or two of those guys. Awesome, yeah. I know there's. I know a couple of years ago when Hunter Green got drafted, maybe people thought he could do it, but we haven't heard a lot about Hunter Green recently. So it'd be really cool if more guys can develop. I know it's pretty hard, especially when you get to that high, late high school level, college level. You really want to develop one position, especially some some owners and like GMs will get scared, especially if your best hitter will get can get Tommy John, but you'll get Otani. He missed like a year because he had to get surgery. So it it is it can be scary, but I, I think it does help the game if you have more players that can go can pitch and hit. Yeah, I mean Hunter Green is still really good. He I, he's still going to be one of the Reds' best pitchers, I think. I'm I'm pretty sure he started a game or two already in the minors and yeah. really well his first minor league action. Another guy kind of like that was Michael Lorenzen, but he hasn't. I don't. I haven't really seen much yeah. about. Him. I don't really know if he's really hit for a pitch. And then Brendan McKay too. He's kind of yeah. But yeah, Otani definitely does it the best. All right, so that's kind of our quarter year MLB update. I mean, the league's been awesome and fun so far. I'm glad they're playing 162 and they've avoided a lot of COVID scares except for this current one with the Yankees, but still they're, they're playing. So we'll, we'll take, we will take it for sure. So we're going to exactly middle section of this episode. Uh, We're going to talk about the three bag of podcasts at the ballpark. So as you said, in the uh, beginning, we were, we had that trip to Florida it was phenomenal. It was awesome to see all you guys and enjoy some baseball together. Um, we wow. saw the Houston Astros of the Tampa Bay Rays on a Friday and Saturday night, two straight games. And boy, those were awesome games. I mean, <laughs> I, the game yeah. was yeah. because Houston took both of them, but just the atmosphere in the trop at that point was great. Like, the yeah, back, like it was everything I imagined and expected because I know you and I too. Um, at the shutdown season, we were looking to go into some yeah. games because we were still in, yeah. in Florida doing our uh, finishing our undergrads, and we were. I remember being very disappointed because we'd planned on that for since the schedule came out really to go to the Trop and boo the Astros. So a year later, we finally got to do it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool being able to boo, especially with, especially when Altuve came up, just hearing the entire crowd boo. It's also saying like they like the only booed like three players. They they booed they booed him, they booed Correa, and they booed Bregman. It's pretty cool. Like okay, the fans know who to boo. So that's pretty cool. Just hearing all of that and all the music playing. Like they play played. I wish it was a little bit taller when like Altuve made an error. So that, that was awesome too. But like the games themselves were great. The Astros dominated them. Uh, the Rays are probably the most confusing team in baseball. Like, I think I understand rocket science better than I understand the Rays right now. Like, there'll be, there'll be a team that, like, they swept the Angels a couple weeks last week, and but then they'll go lose to the Yankees or lose to another team. Like, they're the most inconsistent team in baseball. Some weeks they'll have legit, like, three runs in the entire series, and then the next week they'll be like, oh, they can hit again. Like, I, I don't understand that team. They're confused me, but hey, like I, I was glad we can. We were happy to go together, go to a ballpark, even though it's probably not the best ballpark around. But you know, it was a fun experience, even though it's a little different than we're used to. Yeah, they are a little bit confusing, and the only reason they've been putting up those big offensive outbreaks is from timely home runs. They don't hit the ball. I think they're the worst batting average. No, their guys have just completely forgotten how to hit. Like Yandy Diaz, 
Meadows, Brandon, Brandon Lau's hitting below 200. That's, yeah. Like they've just, I mean, a Rosa Rain is yeah. really the only decent guy and they're pitching and, you know, kind of keeping them afloat a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, back to the Astros too. I mean, I think there was only 4,000 in attendance, but it got pretty loud when some of those guys came up, like Altuve, Bregman, Correa, uh, a bunch of, they were, yeah. what, what was the one chanting? Go home cheaters. That was great. Awesome to hear. Young cheaters, yeah. Loompa, People had uh, signs and stuff too. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, Loompa, Loompa, yeah that was. Uh, yeah, it was a great time, great atmosphere. Like you said. Yeah, but, yeah, but as I have enough, speak, speaking of the uh, Astros, I know you want to talk a little bit about how when the Astros, after they played the Rays, they went up to your, uh, your favorite team, New York, and they got a pretty interesting treatment up there. Oh, man. I, did you watch any of that series? Yeah, um, I, I heard what I needed to hear in that series. Uh, I could definitely tell there was some definitely hostility in the air with that team. Oh, my God, it was phenomenal. I watched the entirety of the first game, and I watched most of the second and third game. And, wow, I mean, it was everything I expected. I really wish there was no COVID and there could have been 40,000 people in that stadium because yeah. I think there was only, like, 10, and it sounded like there was 40. So if there was 40, oh, my – they were so loud. They booed Altuve. They booed Correa. They booed Gurriel. They booed Mald. I think Maldonado as well because he was on that team. Yeah, Maldonado too. Yep. They were starting to chant at Gurriel. You're a racist. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the world. <laughs> yes. Um, where he mocked. Yeah. The ridiculous. You know. He did the ridiculous where he did the eyes to make him look like like of Asian descent. That absolutely just pathetic on Guriel's part, and he should have been punished even more for that too, which he wasn't. But yeah, they were all up in Altuve's grill. Uh, I, I, they were so bad on Altuve in the first game that they pretty much willed the guy to not get a hit or play well. Like it was absolutely wild. They were chanting FL Tuve the entire time. And then it was his birthday in the final game. So they were saying F your birthday. Yeah. Cheaters, all the signs up. They were just having a blast with it. And you could tell it rattled them in those first two. The the last game, I feel like they got a little bit used to it and were kind of ready to play. But those first two games, they were rattled. There was, they were uncomfortable as they should have been. And the Yankee crowd did everything they could to, you know, give them what they deserve. I mean, they deserve even more than what they've already gotten. But, yeah, this Altuve, when he goes to the Bronx for the rest of his career, is going to be booed, like, mercilessly. Yeah, it just kind of shows you what's going to what's gonna happen to the Astros. Billy Field effects, I know, definitely later in the summer, we'll definitely see more ballparks start to get more full as more kind of restrictions get rolled back here with COVID. So we can see it will affect them even more as we get deeper into the season as they start to go more visiting ballparks with larger crowds. So that's, that'll be definitely something to watch. But uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of see. While we didn't get the kind of boom last year, we had to boom from home. It's, it's interesting cool that we finally be able to get the – all the teams get to be able to boo the Rastos, especially the Yankees, who definitely have a, a big gripe against them. Yeah. Yankees – I would say Boston maybe a little bit, even though did they they did take down Boston in 2017. Boston wasn't that strong, but they still took them down in 2017. And then the Dodgers, I want to see them go to Dodgers. Yep. And just get booed there. 
Yeah, they definitely deserve it. Those four players are scumbags. They still haven't fully apologized for it, and it's just even worse that they act like they didn't do anything wrong. It's just I, – I don't understand how four grown men can sit there and be like, we didn't do anything wrong here and, like, truly believe that. So they're just scumbags, and they deserve everything they get for the rest of their career. They, they still are good players, and they've proven that, you know, they probably don't need cheating to be good players, but the fact that it was even a question that they even, you know, had to try to do that is just pathetic, man. It's just embarrassing to the game of baseball. So that's that's all we got to say about the Astros, and hopefully we'll be able to go and boo them even more for the rest of their careers. So we're going to move on now to the last segment of the show, uh, I know this is a big one for you, and this kind of just broke in the last couple of days, too. The Oakland Athletics have stated to the city they're getting the hell out if they don't get their new stadium. What are your thoughts on this, Nick? Yeah, it's also interesting to see how they kind of worded it. It's not interesting where it's like, like MLB will – I will allow them to look at other ball or other new markets because I'm interesting because like they, they're kind of framing as though MLB is forcing us to look at it when you look at how relocation works is MLB can't force any team to relocate. It's up to kind of the organization just from kind of background from what I read and what I've seen being here in the Bay Area. Kind of the way they see it is a they have their site, the Howard Terminal. It's a great waterfront site. It's I understand the stadium itself will be one billion dollars, but they want to do a whole development, which will cost up to twelve billion dollars. So it's kind of interesting. It's that part of private finance, but a part of the deal, if you read a little bit closer, is there will be $450 million of public money. That's kind of a bit of a gripe right now. It's kind of holding it back. They need a vote. That, they need a couple of votes from the city council to pass it. So Oakland's really, the A's right now are really trying to force that vote. You guys are things going because it basically stated, hey, if we don't get this vote at this location, we're gone. So I mean, it, it kind of sucks, but that's kind of what's, what's out there right now. Where would you say the top locations for them to move if this doesn't work out are? I mean, for me right now, just looking at Vegas probably makes the most sense to me right now, just based on they already have their AAA affiliate there. I don't know if that stadium suited for MLB play just um, based on it's, I think it's only 12, I think it's maybe 10 to 15,000 seats, but it's also where it's located. It, it's it's located in like the suburbs of Vegas. I think if you build a stadium, you want to be closer to downtown. So maybe if you renovate where like the or Las Vegas 51 used to play, you renovate that stadium or find some other land, you get a strip, you can be close. Closer. Portland's definitely an interesting option. I know the independent pickle did this week, the Portland Athletic, because they want to get their team. But interesting thing was I know MLB, they, they desperately do want to expand so they can get those expansion fees, but you cannot expand until you figure out what's going on, especially with the A's and also the other team are both connected with the Rays and down the trap. So this will definitely be something to watch. The A's uh, lease at the Alameda Coliseum goes till 2024. So while it sounds like if nothing gets done this year, they'll be they'll they're, they're out. It sounds like they're kind of like stuck at their current place till 2024. I there's I'm gonna be honest, there's no way they're gonna stand this lease past 2024. So basically, we hear something very soon up by this year where they get a stadium built. I know they want to have it originally built by 2023. That's not possible, and that's looking at 2027. Even by then, your current team, most of the players gonna be gone. So that kind of sucks, but. If you can get the new stadium, you do anything possible to get that stadium. So it, it's going to be a watch. I, I definitely do expect something to hear by the end of the year. Either way, whether that Howard Terminal site is going to happen or they're going to have to really start looking at somewhere else to go. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, I agree Vegas probably makes the most sense, especially because they're starting to kind of acquire more sport professional sport franchises too. And Like if you built something kind of downtown near the Strip, imagine that. Like you got the Raiders – now you'd have a baseball team, whether they 
remain the A. I'd, I'd assume they'd remain the Vegas A's. Yeah, but it probably makes sense to rebrand, but I think they quote unquote think their brand strong enough, they'd probably be the Vegas A's. But uh, it'd be, like I said, this is all still very early in the process. This is kind of the first public threat to move. It's time we've seen the last 20 years as someone who's grown up in the Bay Area and watches kind of, they originally thought they were going to go down to San Jose. That didn't happen. Then they thought they were going to go to Fremont. That didn't happen. They thought they had a stadium deal at Laney College. That didn't happen. And then they, they maybe thought they were going to have a state, build a new stadium at the current site to call stadium. Yeah, they completely ruled out. So kind of like picked one site. We want to do this $12 billion developed deal. We're gone. So it's, I've said this a lot, but it, it, it's going to suck that they do move because they're kind of, one of Oakland's last professional teams in like a five-year period to lose all of your professional teams. It kind of shows you it really sucks for a city that has won like a lot of championships. Like the A's won, they won four while they were there. The, the Raiders won two while they were there. The Warriors just have their run where they won a bunch while they were in Oakland. So kind of the city of champions is going to be losing their teams. It really sucks for them. Yeah, definitely. You never want to see your, especially you, your hometown team pick up and move because yeah. that stinks. All right, Nick. Yeah. I think we talked about a lot of baseball today. Great episode. Great uh, talk in general about the first couple uh, months of the season. So I'll give it to you to send us out. Yeah, problem usual spear at the end. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. I know it's been a couple of weeks. We've been both been pretty busy, both us being in Florida doing jobs. So it's really excited that we're able to get back here, get back, get back on the mic, and kind of report a podcast off here. If you don't already, make sure you do follow us on Instagram and twitter there you can see all our stuff i know on instagram we do have some live videos from us at the ballpark so you can go ahead and check that out um on instagram at three bagger pod also make sure you go to our merch store we do have some new logos up on the merch store you can get anything we have t-shirts now on the merch store we have socks we have stickers anything you can imagine we can get three bagger logo on which is pretty cool so make sure you go to uh, red bubble we'll have a link in the description of this podcast go there proceeds that really do help us get a, get new episodes up and you can get some really cool three bagger logos that me and evan both designed and as always league baseball is a very good thing because it keeps the parents off the streets thanks for listening guys